previously, previously on the Game On Podcast. Um, so my story is an uh, interesting one because I, I, I was very lucky to um, to grow up in a street full of lots of kids. So we, you know, in, in winter it was footy and out in the street and in, in um, summer it was cricket in the street with tennis balls and stuff. And uh, I, by chance, one day was playing in the street with um, uh, up the driveway, actually. And um, my brother and his good mate were just came home and his mate was a opening bowler for Port Adelaide called um, Paul Ridgeway and um, at the time um, Phil DeFreitas had had um, come over and was playing for um, Port Adelaide at the same time so they happened to be coming around our house I don't know if tea or something but they uh, you know saw me bowling in the at the driveway and commented and they both sort of said you should be you should come out to Port Adelaide and should be playing you know proper cricket um and that's sort of really where it led to. I, I went out to um, Port Adelaide. I knew Brad Young from high school. We went to high school together, so I knew Brad Young was out there and sort of made it a bit easy to sort of reach out and, and, and go out there. So it sort of, yeah. It was a, um, I, was, I was a good batter with the tennis ball, put it that way. Sportscast SA presents Game On. Game On. South Australia's destination for everything sports. Local, national, and international sports. AFL football, soccer, basketball, golf, baseball, tennis, cricket, and any other sports played in this wide world. And we're going to have a blast doing it. So sit back, relax, and let's do this thing. Welcome to Game On. Welcome to Game On. My name's Pete, and today, once again, joined by Phil, uh, filling in for Malcolm, who's unfortunately caught the COVID, so recovering. But once again, thanks for stepping in again, Phil. Thanks very much, Pete. Good to be here. No worries. Uh, obviously, speaking with uh, Mark Harrity there in part one of our interview last week, and I think it's you know fun to sort of think back that back in the day, you know, we did play in the backyard and. We did bowl the tennis ball, and yet an international cricketer comes around to his yep. place and actually recruits him. What a fantastic story. It's unbelievable, isn't it? It is. You know, I never knew that. Um, what a great bowler he was. I mean, look at the young Joseph lad from uh, West Indies, oh. playing with a lemon in the backyard, at, you know, um, in the middle of the West yes. Indies somewhere. and uh, Didn't have any gear, had to be taken somewhere before the start of this series, and it's a Cinderella story, and oh. hopefully he stays in test cricket. I mean, that's probably yeah. the key, isn't it? Money's not there, is it, for it, in the West Indies? That's so, right. So you're looking at India, yep. you know, playing yep. all the And the one days. days, all the T20s, exactly. That's the problem. Uh, Mark Harrity, part two, coming up a little bit later. We obviously recorded that uh, yep. about a week ago with Malcolm. So if you do hear the different voices from different people, that is the reason why. Around the Grounds. Right around the grounds today, we're going to look at the baseball. NFL trial games have sort of been listed or announced. Adelaide United and obviously the Socceroos, but we're going to kick off with the AFL. We'll start with Port Adelaide, considering you're a Port man, and this is probably a very hot topic at the moment, but board selections. Obviously, Treadray Abernathy are going toe-to-toe, I suppose, in 
the board elections for Port Adelaide coming from Port and we've talked obviously just before we've started recording you have cast your vote and what are some of the pros and cons for for each candidate do you think um well I think Abba's had a had a go at it already Pete yep uh, don't know how successful I don't know yep. um not on the board or in the committee but uh been a member for many years as you know Pete yep uh I must admit I went Treaders I uh, cast my vote and uh, went Treaders very outspoken. Mm-hmm. Whether it's going to help him or not, um, didn't like Kenny. Yep. So um, I think uh, I went treaded. So yeah, look, I think um, he'll get in. You got two very different candidates. That's probably that's a, the the old school versus the new school yeah, sort of thing. Quite a guy and uh, the outspoken treaders, which ex- is um, perhaps that's what the club needs. I don't know. Does it help that he's in the media as well? Is he in the media now, though? Well, he's doing a little bit, yeah, obviously, 5AA, right. and, and obviously he's got his uh, SEN, um, and also he has his own podcast as well. Uh, yeah. So he is around the media, and, you know, obviously the, the, the stuff with Channel 9, I'm sure that'll work itself out in, in a matter of time. Um, I'm just thinking along the lines of David Kosh. I mean, he was very good at, I suppose, picking Port Adelaide up off the, the canvas, so to speak, and using his yep. media personality yep. to be able to boost things it could yeah, be an advantage um, yeah that's right plenty he's got plenty of uh contacts yep. through the media um koshi mm-hmm. and uh where the treaders has yep. um tom will tell if he gets in um but yeah i'll be happy to have treaders on board one of our all-time greats let's face it yep. so um and he seems quite i've met met him myself mm-hmm. so uh knowledgeable and um i've actually played against him so yeah no he's <laughs> he's Pretty mouthy on the field, so I understand where he's coming from these days. So that was a long, long time ago. By the way, he was he was a very good up and coming junior. Um, yeah, we'll see how that one plays out over the next Absolutely. week or so, and uh, obviously the, the the fans will make their uh, thoughts known, I suppose, on the yep. topic. So we'll we'll watch that one with interest. All right, mate. We'll move on to Adelaide. Uh, Rory Sloan uh, injuries at this time of the year with most clubs, you don't want to see them, but this particular one, ouch. Uh, yep. Not only for him personally, but obviously for for, for such a great player. Yeah, and age is uh, obviously um, it's probably yeah, what well, it is his last year. Um, he's told us that already. Yep. Um, yeah, you wouldn't want to get injured now, would you? No. But, um, I mean, I've talked with Malcolm obviously about you know uh, how they might utilise him this year, and we've said that you know the two probably most established players for Port and the Crows is probably Bokey and yep. and and Sloney. Um, you know, does this make it harder for him to, to sort of come back into that team? And we've talked, obviously, about maybe the super sub type thing where they plug a hole whenever they're in a bit of trouble or, you know, something happens and they can miss the versatility, basically. Yeah. Uh, you know, you don't want to see injuries to great players. Is this the last we're going to see of him? I, th- I think It's hard, c- isn't it? Yeah, I know. You think he'll come back, but um, how many games we'll see out of him this year will be the... The big thing, yep. I think, Pete. Um, yeah, Bokey's the same. Um, was I big on Bokey going on? Probably not. Um, I think I'd rather see a young lad coming in yep. and super sub him and just get him the feel. Mm-hmm. Um, love Bokey with, you know, I'm passionate about Bokey. But yep. um, uh, Sloan is exactly the same, as you said, Pete. And, uh, yeah, I think we see maybe a half a dozen games out of Sloan. I don't know the eye, how bad the eye is. Yep, and it's the same one, I think, from last time, uh, from what I'm led to believe. Good. So it's not good, is it? Um, obviously, we've you know talked obviously about Bokey and, and Sloney in that super sub role. Um, you're right, actually bringing that up in that 
Port Adelaide are at a slightly different stages to what the Crows are, if that makes sense. Yep. Uh, you'd, you'd agree definitely that Port are trying to be in that window for now, whereas the Crows are sort of still just building towards that window. Um, so Sloney is the Mr. Fix-It might work very, very well for them. But like you said, a younger player in a team that is going to be around mm. the mark and you can't deny it that they are going to be around the mark is probably the way they may go this year. Yeah, I think, look, I'm big on bringing somebody up. Yep. Um, you know, blooding them a few games. You know, they're going to have the good games and the bad games, Pete. But yep. um, you've got to start somewhere, as exactly. you know. Exactly and right. uh, do you hang on to those older guys that have been around and, you know, I'll give them another year and rah, rah, rah. I don't, I don't know. But, Sometimes um, it can be detrimental. Mm. We've seen a lot of teams that have done that where they have given a couple of their ageing stars just that one year too many and it's cost them. Exactly. Um, not only footy. Look at the Australian yep. cricket side. Yep. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, Pete. Absolutely. All right, mate, we'll stay on the AFL. The AFL's under pressure. Uh, a report or a study's come out with uh, some recommendations about the concussion rule. Um, they are now suggesting 21 days as a minimum. Uh, I think the AFL is around about the 12 to 14-day mark at the moment. Um, 20 other sports have actually adopted or are looking to adopt this 21-day period. Do we see the AFL going down that path? Because this is a slippery slope, which we talk about on a regular basis. It's going to be it's going to be a short year for a lot of people, isn't it, um, if you're going to adopt that? Well, I mean, let's think about the flow-on effects from that. Let, let's be logical about it. And player, player safety and health is obviously number one. Yep. No, no doubts about yep. it. When it comes to list spots, you know, there's only so many list spots available. Now, if you have two, three, four players on 21-day rotations, where are we going to be sourcing these players from? How are we going to be sourcing them? Payments, relocation, if we're going to take this mid-season draft slash trade period coming in. How does, yeah, because, you know, obviously you look at, the way that it's set up at the moment and we don't have a reserve, national reserves competition, but say an Adelaide or a Port Adelaide um, loses two or three players through concussion, they're already using top-up players from country yep. leagues and yep, everything else. Right. Yep. That then diminishes, obviously, the SNFL, and that's a whole other can of worms we could t- definitely open for another hour and talk about that. Where does that sort of leave some of these clubs in... How do they fuel some of these teams? I mean, it, it's, it, you know, I'm just trying to think about it logically. I know. Yeah. I mean, you look at the Maggies. Um, we've really struggled. Um, the depth. Mm-hmm. You can't even really even go and watch them because you don't even know half the lads playing. Yeah. Because top up, top up, you know, it's just keep topping up. And a lot of those lads are no better footballer than, you know, yeah. I won't say you or me, no, Pete. Division, division one. Yeah. You know, amateur league. Amateur league. Exactly and that's right. all they or, are. Or country football. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, I saw a podcast last night, Pete. I got back from uh, Lawn. Yep. Uh, been, been away. Um, Newry Footy Club are spending $16,000 on this concussion. They are going to spend $80 each player yep. um, to research and to... Yep. So it, they're going to fork out a lot of money. And, and uh, uh, Josh Norton, who's the president, had a, he had a, he's on 5AA apparently, um, yep. got interviewed. And it's just fantastic what they're doing. But if... Every club spends that. You think of some of the little country clubs out north, you know, that are 
$16,000 yes. for Newry's probably all right. But yes. um, you get a club out further, are they going to be able to afford it? Now the state government's looking to help subsidise. Yep. Subsidise, yep. Um, I mean, concussion is such a... You only, as, as Josh said, you get one brain, you can replace a knee, you can replace a hip, you can replace this, that. Yep, shoulder, fingers. Brains are yep. um, very yep. yeah, important. As we said, it's a bit of a slippery slope, but obviously the recommendation for 21 days is, you know, the logistics behind it. Um, understand it certainly at the local level that that's probably no problem. Mm. Um, obviously we watch the, the top level for entertainment, yep. um, but you don't want to be seeing teams um, dis- disadvantaged, I suppose, for that and how how they um, can work the system to allow, obviously, yeah. those players to have their 21 days and recover and get themselves right, but also provide, you know, competitive teams right. along the way. So, yeah, that's probably where I'm at with it a little bit. I, I love that there is more research going into all of this. Mm. We've obviously had our guests on who talk about the intricacies of yeah. of uh, the the concussion protocols and so on and so on. Um, so, yeah, very, very important. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that one. That one's going to be a pretty hot topic, I think, over the next week or two as well. Uh, and the last one on the AFL, rough head to return to Hawthorne. My question is, is there a natural drawback to your original club? It's got to be, doesn't it? It does. I mean, there's got to be. Ruffy was a absolute legend there. I mean, he, I think he kicked six or seven goals in his last game. Yep. You know, should probably could have still been playing just <laughs> yeah, about. yep. Um, yeah, I mean, St Kilda, I think it was him that left Saints yep. on that end of last a year. Bit of a mutual party. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's great. You know, I'd love to see the Port boys come back. Yep. And um, well, it's always good. I'm not too sure. It can be a bit, you know, mate, play a game for the mate. And that's why I sort of ask a little bit because there are clubs that are somewhat bringing back their yep. former stars to assist in what they're doing. I mean, St Kilda's probably a classic example of... You know, Goddard and and Hayes and yep. all of those uh, Harvey all being involved. Obviously, greats of the club. Port Adelaide are the same. Josh yep. Carr. I know Jacob Surgeon does a little bit. I think. Yeah. I mean, he's still at North Adelaide, yeah. but obviously being good mates with Joshy Carr and 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 Co down there as well. Um, you know. I mean, you look back to Matty Primus. That was yeah. a bad move. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, didn't have the respect of a lot of the players. Yeah. But it can work the other way too, Pete Garnett. You exactly know, and, right. uh, Oh, he's a legend, you know, yep. and you look up to him and, and he can guide you. And then also Ruffy, obviously, there's the draw for him going back to his original club that he spent lots of time at. And I think that's probably the same for most people is that, you, you know, every yep. now and then you think, oh, yeah, I wouldn't mind going back to my old club or a, a family member has played at that club. Yep. You know, I wouldn't mind having a season there or a couple of seasons there, Absolutely. et cetera, et cetera. So, yep. Uh, excellent. All right, mate, we move on to the cricket. The test loss shock. Um, I didn't see this one coming, to be honest with you. No, you didn't. I don't think anybody did. No, Joseph was amazing, wasn't he? Oh, and when he got his toe split open, you thought, well, game over. They've lost their best bowler. He tapes it up or whatever he done, and away you go and yep. take seven wickets. I mean, that is... Uh, and apparently he didn't even bring his shirt to the ground, thinking that he wasn't even going to be bowling or playing that day. And they've... Obviously, giving him a shot of something or a couple of tablets just to take away the pain, strapped him up, away you go, and then bang, bang, bang. Unbelievable effort, wasn't it? I mean, that is just heroic. Exactly it's, right. Um, something you remember for then. It's well, a fairy tale, really. Yeah. He comes to Adelaide, picks up his first five for in his yeah. first game there. Nathan Lyons, basically, welcome to the club. Yeah. Did the same thing. Um, 
you know, and this this guy arrives in Australia with half a kit bag, really. <laughs> They've got to take him out to buy his stuff. It's just yes. it's just a fairy tale story, and hopefully we get to keep him in Test cricket. Um, obviously, the money side of it, you know, does play a part with a lot of a lot of players' decisions these days. Fingers crossed he does, but you know, wherever he ends up, he's going to be um, you know, a very very good bowler, I think, in the future if he can stay exactly. healthy. Yeah. Uh, we're lucky here in Australia. We get good money, yep. play test cricket, yep. they've got good contracts. Um, West Indies are not quite so lucky. India's lucky. Yep. They, they've got plenty of money. But, um, yeah, yeah, be nice to keep him back. Hearing on the grapevine, uh, I, I'm sure it's not breaking news, but just hearing on the grapevine that I think he's got a little bit of connection here with the South Australian, or the, the um, not the Redbacks, the Strikers. Nice. Part of the T20. So we might see him in the Strikers' colours in seasons to come, maybe. But hearing on the grapevine that that may be the case. All right, Mitch Marsh wins the Alan Border medal and Ash Gardner wins the Belinda Clark medal. No surprises there, I don't think. Mitch Marsh Great. is an interesting one, obviously... On the outer for a long period yeah. of time, a bit like Usman Kawaja, you know, on the outer for a long period of time, gets his opportunity, bang, all of a yep. sudden he is performing very, very well. Yeah, I mean, he didn't make 100, I don't think, did he, Pete? No, uh, 90-odd, yep. And 70s, I mean, um, still a good fieldsman, good bowler, I think well-deserved. Consistency yeah. is the key, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you can be like a, I shouldn't probably mention him because he's still a good cricketer. Uh, Travis Head, you yep. make a hundred and then a couple of ducks. Yep. But Mitch was very, very consistent right Absolutely. through, wasn't he? And Ash Gardner's obviously been around yep. the women's scene for quite Absolutely. some time. And I think, I believe that's her second uh, Belinda Clark medal. So oh, okay. certainly being recognised yeah. for her efforts as well. Uh, the one-day series against West Indies starts this weekend. Um, what do we expect? A few new players? We did um, sort of hear this morning that a couple of debutantes are going to make their... Um, their one-day debut for Australia. Um, yeah, how do we see that one uh, playing out? We Obviously, uh, Lance Morrison and Xavier Butler we're obviously talking about here. Yep. How do we see them fitting into the current structure of the team? Watching a fair bit of that uh, T20 on the uh, TV, Pete. Yep. Both deserve their go, and so does Shorty, obviously. Yep. Pretty short. Yep. Um, I love it to see them blood somebody. They've got to blood them. Um I was a bit disappointed with the test. Yep, must admit. But uh, here we are talking about the one days. Are you talking in the terms of Smith going yeah, up the order? Yep, I don't don't agree with that yep. at all. Um, should have brought somebody in. Yep, Bancroft or a, yes, you know whoever. Um, yeah, it's good to see. Uh, we've got to blood them absolutely. Um, play them. And uh, the ICC Test uh, Men's Test Team was obviously um, announced during uh, the week or about a week or so ago. Uh, obviously, from a South Australian point of view, we've got our um, Travis Head and uh, Alex Carey, obviously, in that team. Um, fantastic achievement for, for what they've achieved over the last 12 months. Absolutely. I mean, both had pretty good seasons, haven't they? You Absolutely. Know, um, Carey's kept very well, very clean, and, uh, and he's made his 50s. And He's batted well, yep. but without going on, yep. and I think that's probably the one... Slight, I'd say. You've got fantastic keeper, obviously f- plays his role in the team. He is making runs, but you'd like him to sort of go on with Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And occasionally gets that one silly move, and that's the one that gets him out. Yeah, he probably could have five to ten centuries against his name by now, Pete. Yep. Um, he's got to 70s and yep. 80s and uh, seems to lose his wicket. I mean, Travis a bit the same, isn't yep. he? Um, but, but then again, they are sort of batting down the order a little bit and – 
a lot of the bulk work has been done by Warner, Kawaja, Smith, Labashane yep. coming in obviously before them. And, and, you know, by the time they do get down to that area, it is very much the tactics of let's just go. Yeah. So we've got to yep. sort of keep that in mind as well a little bit. But there are times where you do need to lock down and play some good cricket. And he's, Kerry's doing that and, and Travis has done the same. Yep. Um, but, yeah, just going on with it is probably the next next thing, isn't it? But yeah, you're right. You're spot on. Having a beautiful top order like we've got, <laughs> um, it suits Travi yep. uh, down to the ground because he can come in and play his natural game, which is yep. up the bash. Y- exactly. You know, and right. uh, he can hit a ball. And, and he hits it sweeter than, than yeah. most. So yep. absolutely. Yeah, it's pretty scary when you see him coming down oh. at number five or number six in the yeah. order or four, five or six, yeah. um, and knowing that you're in for a bit of punishment, yep. that's for sure. Absolutely. All right, mate, let's move on to tennis. This is probably in our it's wheelhouse um, a little bit more than the cricket. Uh, Malcolm obviously is the cricket man amongst uh, us here, but... Um, uh, Yannick Sinner and Sabalenka, obviously, crown champions. And great to see somebody different, obviously, winning a Grand Slam. And I think from an Australian point of view, it was the first time that it had not any of the top three, obviously, we're talking Federer, Nadal and Djokovic, in a final um, against a different opponent since 2005, I think it was, which was um, um, Hewitt and Safin, I think. Oh, okay. Yep. So It's back in my day. Pete. Yeah. I was probably over there. Um, great to see. Yep. Great to see. Uh, let's spread the wealth around a bit. I mean, um, some of these guys, you know. Well, we're looking for this next generation to come through absolutely. to excite us a little bit. Uh, Medvedev obviously has been around the mark for a good number of years. Sinner's only 22, 23. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, and then you look at sort of the quarterfinals, semifinals. Uh, Sinner was very, very impressive in his sem- semifinal against Djokovic. Um this could be the, the the dawning of a new age in tennis. I hope it is. So do I. It's um, I got to admit, Pete, it's got a bit boring. Mm-hmm. Um, don't follow it like I used to. Yep, I got to admit. Yep. Um, as much as you love to hate him, Kyrgios is just fantastic, and he was, you know, so flared up. You know, he can he could go off. Let's face it, but one of the most talented tennis players you yep. want to watch, as was Jimmy Connors. Yes, you know, if you look back. Um, so let's hope they've got. Bring out some bit of character too. Yep. Not saying that they're going to go off or whatever, but there's no umpires to go off at no, anymore. No, no. The uh, electronic line <laughs> system is fully in effect, right isn't it? Through, so I'm done out of a job. You've, so. I was about to say you've lost a job, mate. Yep. Um, uh, just going on with the Sinner um, victory. Obviously, that was impressive. Two sets to love down. Um, really back to the wall kind of stuff. Leads me into my next point in that uh, Darren Kale was brought on as a bit of a consultant. But at the end of the day, he's coached four Grand Slam victors and all four of them have been slightly different in some way, shape or form. Um, He does credit, obviously, and you being a port man, obviously, big smile on his face here as soon as I mentioned Port Adelaide. Um, Obviously mentioned uh, through media and and stuff like that that he did learn a lot of um, his coaching techniques, I suppose, via the Port Adelaide Football Club. And we all know John... Uh, his father obviously got the best out of his players and team and I think his son's obviously tapped into that a little bit and he's getting the best out of these players. I mean, talent is obviously definitely there with someone like Sinner and obviously Hewitt when he was coaching Hewitt and Agassi when he was with Agassi and uh, Halep when, you know, so he's got some good cattle to work with but it's just getting them that next step and I think 
Darren Cale is certainly the man for it. Yeah, that's for sure, Pete. Um, Jack done it, as you said. Yeah. Jack done it at Port. Um, some ordinary, well, average players. Yep. He he brought into another level, and it looks like Darren's doing that with the tennis, isn't he? So, um, not saying they're ordinary. They're no, no. certainly talented because you know as well as I know, Pete, how how good you have to be. Yep. To be up in that. Absolutely. You know, you can be a good tennis player. But <laughs> Absolutely. Wow, there's a few levels up. Without being a good Look, tennis player, certainly mental strength. I'm sure that you know, you know, that's part and parcel of what Darren talks about. Um, Darren actually mentioned that um, Mark Williams is a bit of a mentor to him, yeah. um, which I sort of knew there was some connection there. Obviously, through Port Adelaide and the Williams family and 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 everything like that. But um, you know, basically having Mark sitting in the coaching box Oops. area for Sinner through all of the matches, being able to bounce ideas off. Isn't it fantastic that um, you can have a mentor that is open like Mark Williams is to a lot of people? I'm not, not saying just Darren Cale, but, you know, he seems to be have his finger in a lot of pies in that he does mentor a lot of people. And, and having that mentor and how important it is for you to tap into that, and I think Darren's done that beautifully, with probably his old man's, uh, you know, bouncing ideas a little bit off of as well. I mean, he's going to be high high in demand, I think, moving forward. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know how much coaching he wants to do or, yep. or um, it looks like he's on it back step. He's back in Adelaide again, I see. So, yep. um, But Mark Williams, I reckon, is just a great coach and great, you know, he's, he very, works very well yep. with players. And uh, so I wonder what sort of input he would have had, whether he had any input. Oh, yeah, it, it would be interesting to know. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we're not going to find this out, you know, by, uh, you know, by media. It's going to be sort of in the background a little bit, and and uh, people are going to obviously make mention of it uh, as we are here. Um, and I'm sure it'll come out in time, some way, shape, or form. But just having somebody like that to bounce ideas off of, I'm sure was probably part and parcel of what why Mark Williams was part mm. of it. And obviously, he's living in Melbourne as well, so. You know, there would have been conversations over coffee in the morning or dinner at night or a wine at night. You know, hey, I'm thinking this. What do you think? Can we steer this young lad? And I think they did it perfectly. Well, congratulations. Um, he mightn't have much to do with Sinner. I mean, he would probably talk to him, but he probably did. Um, Darren probably bounced big ideas off of Mark, and Mark bounced them back off yeah, of him. Yeah, refined yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to know, Pete. How Absolutely. Far. Um, the Australian Open, where did the Australian Open, we went from 14 days to 15 days, but it, part of it was obviously trying to get the late night finishes done a little bit earlier. I don't really think that it had too much impact, the extra day. No, we always used to fight rain delays. That was all our problem. I don't think they had any rain. No. Or very little over there. Yep. Um, so then you was on catch up and you could do 14, 15 hour days as an umpire, yep. um, which I've done for 10 years. Yep. Um, and it was a huge day, and you were really tired and, you know, um, sitting on court, concentrating. And uh, so. Well, and those th- plexi paved courts aren't exactly um, light in temperature. You know, no, if it's it, an air temperature of 30 degrees, you're, you're sitting in almost 50 degrees. Yeah, That's really exactly what it gets right. down to. Yeah. And uh, so I guess it's to give them that extra day just to um, catch up yep. if, if they need to catch up. And uh, it didn't seem to make much difference, did it? I don't no. think to the viewer. No. So, yeah. Interesting. Uh, and just to finish off on the tennis very, very quickly, obviously Kyrgios was in the in the box commentating. He did make some comments about sort of where 
he sort of felt like things have gone wrong for him a little bit in that he didn't get selected or the AOC were a little bit iffy about one of his selections for his uh, selection for country, which is obviously what we all aspire to no matter what sport we play in, whether it's marbles, yep. two-up, uh, football, tennis, cricket, lawn bowls, whatever. You know, you're always aspiring to be better and better. He doesn't get selected or there's problems around that. And since that point, it just seems like things have gone completely haywire and not, not saying that that's the reason why he's acting up or why, you know, why, but I, I do feel like there was a bit of withdrawal as well, you know, I'm just going to do my own thing. And now it's snowballed into him doing his own thing. And yeah, the injuries have caught up with him a little bit, but it's sad to see him not playing. That's, Ab- that's really what it gets well, down to. Absolutely. Pete, um, as I said before, he's just so talented um, perhaps just mentally. I'm yep. not sure whether he's switched on all the time. Yep. Um, and that, as you know, tennis is a huge mental game mm-hmm. um, in day in, day out, yep. the way they do it. And, and I think um, that's why Djokovic has been so successful is he just is mentally tough. Oh. Um, and Sinner looked like he took that to another level and maybe Darren was, was part of that. But you know, these these players that are on the fringe that don't quite step up makes it hard, doesn't it? On his day, he'll beat anybody. Agreed. And, um, you know, you look at Rafa and uh, Federer and they're just no emotion at all, whereas Nick likes to let it out. Yep. And um, and he's just so probably as talented as any of those three that I've just mentioned. But, you know, it's a mind game too. Concentration is key. Yep. That's really what it gets down yep. to. And, you know, obviously McEnroe used to use it to distract opposition. Yep. You know, realistically, that's why he would have his, uh, you know, say on the court. That's probably the best way of putting it. Um, you know, or complain about a line call, et cetera, et cetera, was to try and break that competition, but also refocus him. Nick sort of does the same thing, but it doesn't quite refocus him. He then ends up engaging with crowd and bits and pieces like that, which is fun. Yeah. But when you're trying to win a Grand Slam or you're trying to win tournaments, you've got to know when to pull that trigger and when not to pull that trigger. And maybe if he comes back, it might change where he is. Engaging with the crowd, which is what we want, but he he's, he then does focus a little bit more. But the jury's out on that one for me. <laughs> Very entertaining, isn't absolutely. It? But, All right, um, mate. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, mate, we'll talk the baseball, SNFL, the soccer, and and Mark Harrity part two. You're listening to the Game On podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. All right, let's continue on with the baseball. The Adelaide Giants were earn, were made to earn their championship decider spot. Uh, the Melbourne Aces came to town and put the Adelaide Giants under a bit of pressure there, winning game one. And then game two and three were very, very tight. They weren't um, how I thought it was going to go at all. Yeah, I mean, they've been going along beautifully, haven't they? And, well, scoring uh, at will at times. Yeah. And you sort of thought, look, I think they've got enough firepower in the bullpen and they've got a Enough firepower on the on the plate, but Melbourne made them earn it. And aren't finals a funny thing, Pete? <laughs> I yes. think we've all played in uh, enough finals to know that uh, you know. I mean, you've got to take form into it, mm-hmm. but um, it can be a strategy and a mind game too in the yep. finals. And so. it can be quite cruel because let's look at the flip side of that. If they had have lost after having such a fantastic season, you know that. You know, where does that leave you for the following year? And exactly. obviously they won last year, so they're trying to go back-to-back and defend their title. Um, but 
showed some real true grit, um, which is really, really good. Um, you know, when the chips were down a little bit, they were able to grind out and do what they needed to do to win. Yep, exactly. You know, um, yeah, mental toughness, I suppose, isn't it? Which is what we talked about yep. in our last subject. Yep. Uh, obviously, now um, after winning against the Melbourne Aces, they get to take on Perth for the second year in a row. So, familiar foe. Um, they're obviously playing game one over in Perth and then game two and game three are obviously here in Adelaide. Yep. With the way that the finals are structured, the um, higher-ranked team obviously gets the advantage of potentially two games at home. Yep. Adelaide have gone all right against Perth. They've over the years, Perth has always been Adelaide's bogey team, but over the last couple of years, Adelaide have sort of got on top. But we're not the hunted this time. Sorry, we're not the hunters this time. We are the hunted. Obviously, yeah. being back to back, going for back to back championships. It's going to be an interesting and fascinating series starting this weekend. I believe. Yeah, I was going to say, T. Pete, when does it kick off? Yep. So, but um, yeah, I mean, be good to get that first one, wouldn't it, in Perth? If you win away and. Yep. Doesn't matter whether it's soccer, yep. you know, especially with the home and away types type stuff. Aussie rules football is exactly the same with AFL. Getting wins away can mean the difference between Diamonds. you actually having yeah. a, a, an okay series or season, or not having an okay season. Yeah. I think we've sort of seen that with some of the teams this year. That uh, looking obviously Adelaide had a fantastic home record, but we're just struggling a little bit away. And come this year, they'll obviously look to re- to rectify that. But if you can pinch games on the road, yep, diamonds in the rough. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, we wish Adelaide, the Adelaide Giants, a a positive start over in Perth, and then obviously coming back to Adelaide and finishing it off in style in front of their home fans. So, looking forward to that one. All right, mate. We move on to the SNFL, like we do with Malcolm each week. We like to keep the SNFL in the news a little bit during the off season because they don't have the budget of the AFL. So. They don't have too many um, advertising or, or people talking about it, but the uh, SNFL Week 3 and Week 4 trial matches have been announced. Uh, Sturt v Adelaide at Thebbiton Oval. Good to see Thebby getting a little bit of a use, obviously, before the Crows move there in 2025-26, depending on um, building and all that kind of jazz. West Adelaide v Glenelg at High Sense Arena. South Adelaide v Norwood at Flinders University Stadium. Uh, Central's v West Torrens at X Convenience Oval out uh, at the Ponderosa there, and North Adelaide v Port Adelaide at Thebiton as well. So, a double header there on Saturday, the fifteenth of March. Uh, the Sturt Adelaide game is at ten a.m. at Thebiton, and the North Adelaide Port Adelaide game is at three twenty. So, good to see each club getting a a, a, a run there. Obviously, every club is involved uh, on that particular day. So. SNFL looking to ramp up for 2024. I've actually pencilled a couple in, Pete, to go yep. and have a look. Um, I think uh, Malcolm's the uh, guru of SNFL. He, he loves his SNFL. So I, feel a I bit love my SNFL. No, no, talking no. About it, no, but, that's okay. Uh, Centrals will be a team to watch. Yeah. Um, recruited very well. Uh, I've got a mate that's uh, under 18s coach down there. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, he said just keep an eye out for them. And uh, they've lost a couple. But, yep. Um, Certainly covered their losses and uh, made the finals last year. So, well, um, Centrals is an interesting one because at last year we thought they might struggle a little bit, and they unearthed some very, very good players along the way. And then, like you said, they're recruiting this year. Uh, obviously, your zone out there in sort of Barossa light, um, somewhat out in that area, and they've obviously brought in a couple of players yeah. from there as well. So, a couple of young lads have gone home. Yep, um, to Newry and Tanunda. Yep, but. Um, 
Yeah, they'll cover them. Um, so they've gone Tasmania and uh, obviously double, a couple of WA yep. lads. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Love Cent- the SNFL. Yeah, absolutely. Centrals could be a team to watch for 2024, and I think they're on my watch list as well. Uh, and then week four, obviously only two teams uh, – sorry, four teams playing on that week, which is Friday, March 22nd. Uh, we've got Port Adelaide v South Adelaide at Alberton Oval. Um, good to see the upgrade there at Alberton, by the way. That's yep. probably something we haven't no. talked about massively in that uh, that has just been completed, I think, a couple yeah. of weeks ago. So yep. I'm actually looking forward to getting down to Alberton and having a little bit of a look at that one there. Um, it looks like I haven't dissected the SNFL program yet in its entirety, but obviously with Port and Adelaide potentially going to an AFL reserves competition, the last time that Norwood and Port actually play each other will probably be at Albert and Oval under lights. Really? Potentially. Okay. Potentially. We better pencil that one in. Yeah, Pete. I think we did. Uh, so we've got Port Adelaide v South Adelaide at Albert and 5.45 on Friday, March 22, and Woodville West Torrens v Adelaide at Football Park at 4.45. So Footy Park getting a little bit of a run uh, during the pre-season games as well. So looking forward to that. All right, let's move on to soccer. Adelaide United face Central Coast Mariners at Highmarsh Stadium, Friday or Saturday night at Highmarsh Stadium. Be a good game. Um, since I've talked to you, Pete, I've been lucky enough to go and watch a couple Adelaide United games at home, obviously. Um, yep. uh, good mates with Ryan, kiddo. Yep. Um, so he got me a couple of tickets, which was great. Beautiful. Um, yeah, going along quite nicely. I see their uh, uh, goalkeeper's um, been signed by Aston Villa. So um, Congratulations. Yeah, I mean, playing for Australia. Um, yep. But, uh, yeah, going along nice. They've got to keep winning. As we said, home wins are gold, you know. You've got to... Scrape a couple of ways, yep. and, uh, but you've got to win everything basically at home. Absolutely. Adelaide currently sitting eighth with a couple of must-win games against Central Coast, which are below them, oh, just above them on the ladder. And then they've got a couple of really winnable games against yep. Perth, who are below them on the ladder, and Sydney, who are just above them in the ladder. So this next three or four weeks are probably going to sort Adelaide United out a little bit as to where we think they're going to finish this year. Still a big fan of Carl Viet. Playing Same the young, playing the youngsters absolutely. and locals too, which is vital. Yep, yep absolutely. You got a homegrown talent. Um, I know we lost Bernardi to. Uh, he went off to one of the teams there. Um, he wasn't getting the game often enough. Yep. But um, well, good luck to him. You got to wish him well to go on. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's still playing a lot of the young lads, which is great. And uh, yeah, I'm a big fan too. And you can understand him. Uh, yeah, well, that, that does help. That does no help. accent. Absolutely. Uh, just to finish off on the soccer, uh, the Socceroos obviously finishing pretty much on top of their group in the Asian Championships, had a very, very good win in their first knockout and also their second knockout, I believe. Quarterfinals, uh, going to be a little tougher, but a little bit more free-flowing. I think their last match, it was very much a team that shut them down, didn't give them much room to move. They obviously won that 2-0. So I'm... Uh, I always say Simon Goodwin, but Craig Goodwin um, was obviously instrumental in setting up a couple of goals there as well. Really good to see Goody going well. Um, lovely guy, but lucky enough to meet him at Ryan's uh, wedding. So yep. uh, really down-to-earth lad. I hope he does really well. And uh, Riley McCree too, yes. so um, Gawler boy. Yep. So uh, it's good to see them up and about and uh, getting the green and gold on. Absolutely. All right, mate, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we've got Mark Harrity, part two. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. 
Past players, past legends, past legends. There's, there's talk that everyone will play, so they're going to have There's going to be over, going to be over twelve first-class cricketers in the game, which is, is sensational. But um, then, what do they do? Because how, how's Spencer going to be ready to play shield cricket? Yeah, I... um, you know what I mean. Like, how's he going to bowl twenty overs in a day when he's not bowled more than four in a day? And I, I mean, look, off the field, he'll have to start maybe working on his workloads, but he's also probably getting ready for an IPL as well. Yeah, um, in April and. Um, that's where the straps was all over the place. It just doesn't seem right, does it? No, no. Look, that 2020 for, um, semi where you played Northern Districts, that catch, you you probably had a better view of it than me, Hex, because I was on the other side of the oval. The catch by your West Torrens goal where he knocked it back and then looked like he knocked himself out as he hit the ground, that is one of the best catches I've ever seen, Hex. Um, yeah. It was incredible. Well, was, Go through that a bit. Um, yeah, well, that, that was um, the the brother of um, Ben Menenti, Harry Menenti. So we've got Harry Menenti yep. at our club this year. He's, he's an exciting talent. He's, he made the team um, of the year for both uh, white ball comps. So he's he's someone to look out for in the future. And he and he actually made his first 100 for us with the bat on the weekend. And he's, he's taken an eighth with the ball um, in a red ball game. So he's, he's, he's having a great year. And... Um, He's a bit younger than Ben, so he's still got a bit of time behind him. But he, um, yeah, mate, it's probably you look back on little moments, and that was probably a big moment to, to win the game because he's done the dive backwards over the boundary line and managed to somehow throw it back into Dan Fallon. And, and yeah, as you said, he whacked his head pretty hard. I thought we might have lost him for the rest of the game, but he he got up again and um, and, and managed to even bowl another over. I think after then the second last over, so. Um, yeah, and he, he he did it again in the in the final over. I think they needed thirteen off the final over, and um, you take six off of that. That's seven off five, and he managed to actually. That's right, do the he same too. Thing. Yeah, there, there was no one there to. He did it the other end of the ground. There was no one there to throw it to this time, but he saves. You know, they they ran one or two instead yeah. of getting six. So, uh, mate, brilliant fielding. Um, oh, it was incredible. Know, it was. I was just. It's not often that you're at a district game and you go local level, yeah. Yeah, that you go, geez, it's a privilege to have seen that, and that's how yeah. good it. That's how good it was. You know, um, I just was having a look at both games. You know, wandering one because they were both at Karen Rolton, one and then the other, and yeah, saw that and thought, wow, that I'm mm-hmm. so glad that I saw that piece of fielding. Nobody got it on camera. Sure. I, I, I reckon it missed. I reckon he was near front box, so it was to the side, wrong end. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't reckon it got it. So, Hags, go through your coaching career because you've been around a fair bit now. You were also bowling coach with South Australia, personally, and, again, I don't really want you to comment here. You were also playing cricket at Grange where if the reward, if the remuneration had done been done properly, you would have only been the bowling coach. I always thought that was quite ridiculous, but that's a, we'll leave that alone. Um, but go through, and you've now coached West Horrens, you know, for eight years, and you've had a hell of a lot of success there, Hags, with in all, in all, you know, the twenty twenty, the one day, the fifty over comp, and also the district comp. So you've you had a hell of a lot of success in a real golden era for West Horrens Cricket Club. Yeah, no, I've been lucky. Um, I 
funny enough, I, the first contract ever signed for the sack and my manager at the time, um, and I didn't even, I don't think I even realised this at the, at the time, but he tried to organise to get me more money, I assume, um, to, um, to have a co- bit of a coaching thing. Because as I said, blokes back in the day had jobs and that, and I just yeah. went to high school. So I started off just going out to, you know, you go out to schools and do what they'd call appearances, but also coaching clinics, um, which were with some of the guys that became mentors to me in, in, in Peter Muggleton and Andrew Zessers. Um, and then from there, I got involved with under-15s and um, with Mick Rutherald in under-15s, and I was a bowling coach there. And by then, I had played state cricket when I was doing the 15s. And um, so that was exciting because I know all the, the kids, you know, could see that obviously I've, I'm – this guy that plays on Adelaide Oval now, yep. and um, you know, is rubbing shoulders with you know Blewett and Lehman and Sins and that, and I think um, so. You got the respect there, and they were all very keen and eager to listen. So, and I was very keen and eager to pass on what I was learning because I was learning on the spot too. Um, so I couldn't wait to pass that on to the, the next generation, and um, it was it, it was really cool. Um, I think the first year I I had. Um, Matthew Broadbent and um, Hamish Hartlett in my under-15 state squad. Um, funny enough, they went on to be Port Legends. But um, uh, we, don't hold, um, don't we, hold that against them, Hex. It's all right, mate. <laughs> we we then went from um, 15s to 17s. I got involved in the 19s, and I went my way up until I became a 19s coach. And I, I 17s coach, uh, sorry, second eleven coach. I. Jeez, I've just about done everything there other than being the head coach. I did the second eleven coaching. I did the strength and conditioning coaching a year there. Um, so I've sort of been heavily involved for a while there. Um, and then and then it just got to that stage where I was right, ready to go. Um, may, maybe need to go see what it's like to not be involved in cricket full time for a while and um, and not coach. And I, I left uh, while my wife had children and um, joined a business she was a director of. Um, yep. And that and that was just good to just get away and see what it felt like to actually appreciate. Oh, thank God it's Friday, you know. I, I never understood what that meant. Um, that that phrase, thank God it's Friday. But yeah. once I started going to the workforce, um, but actually, uh, yeah, you know, it didn't take long before I think the Redback League um, came out and there was an offer to to coach one of the teams of Western Grit. And I found and I found myself all of a sudden going, oh, you know, I'm, I'm interested in cricket again and. Um, uh, yeah, before you know it, you're sitting at your desk and you're thinking about team selections on the weekend rather than work, and that probably made me sort of aware that I was probably ready to go back to cricket. And and then by chance, the West Torrens job come up, and it was an amazing one because at the at the same time, I'd finally said yes to wanting to go to West Torrens, and they asked me to coach them. Um, I. I got an email saying that um you know West Torrens and Port might be merging and yeah. there may not be a club so I was went from being excited to a bit sort of oh I don't know if I've got a job now if I'm back into cricket or not but um I had done some work with the Western Brit which had Drew and, and, and Johnson and Kelvin Smith in it so I knew we had and then nothing leader in it so we had I knew they had some talent but when I looked at how West Torrens had gone they sort of had only won one game the, the season before I took over, and um, so it was sort of it was a strange one because it was, as I said, there was some de- decent talent there, young and raw talent, but they had had no success. So I was really excited about doing club cricket for the first time, um, 
and amazingly, um, it was one of those weird years where everything went your way, but uh, we, we managed to win all three competitions yeah. in the first year and, and only lost one game. Um, and funny enough, the one game we lost was the only game that Callum Ferguson was available for us for him. So. <laughs> I'll, I'll remember. I'll remember that next time I run into Ferg. Yeah. So. Yeah, and Fergie was nice enough that night to take the boys out for a drink and pay for everything, and said, "Look, boys, we're not going to lose another game." Him and Trent Kelly said, "We're not going to lose another game," and they were right. And it was, it was quite amazing. And then I think that that was the start of some, you know, some careers where Drew won the Bram in that year. Yeah. And, um, and we started to see the start of Spencer's career and and Kelvin and. Um, and look, yeah, I've been lucky. We've 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 won a double as well, and um, we're obviously in a final this Sunday. So um, a lot of a lot of the you know the players has been a change over in a lot of the players, but there's you know I've been I've really enjoyed it and and love it. You know, it's a, it's not obviously something you can do forever, but it's uh, while I'm doing it, I'm really loving it at the moment, and I, I love when you you know the guys they're they're so they're easy to coach because they're so passionate. You know, like when what I've found out is I know that uh, when I played at the club, if it was 41 degrees on a Tuesday like it is today, um, they'd be heading to the beach. But, you know, I've already, Bailey Capel's already told me he'll be training tonight, he'll be ready to go. And, yeah. um, you know, that, that's the dedication of some of these lads. They, they don't believe in uh, taking a day off and um, and, and that that inspires you. To, to, to oh, I think with Bailey, that comes from. Uh, let's be honest, that comes from his parents, and you couldn't get a more uh, a more family get involved at a level at uh, a club level than uh, than his than his fantastic parents too. There with Andrew and that. So, yeah, yeah, yes. No, we're like, I've been very lucky in my time there. I've I've watched uh, you know Kelvin and Drew and Johnston and Buckingham and Bailey himself all play. Shield cricket, um, you know, and that's that's the aim is to keep helping those guys along the way and see if you can help get a few more over the line. And um, yeah, like it was fantastic last year. I think the last game of the year, the twelve they named, there was five from West Torrance yeah. in the Shield team. So I was pretty excited about that. Quick one, Hags, on this one. Your experience of playing county cricket for Worcestershire. Yeah, I was about to ask the same thing. Yeah, oh, county cricket. Yeah, amazing. Um, it's um. When I went, when I, when I was over there in '95, I got asked, I got I got asked by a few counties would I be interested in going. I was only I think 21 at the time, and I, I'll never forget Stewie Law, whose son is actually in my academy this year uh, over from England. Um, I remember Stewie saying, um, "Mate, you're too young, don't do it. You get injuries and stuff. You can always do that later on in your career." So I sort of took his advice, um, from a, I guess from a fast bowler, which. Whether he's right or wrong, who knows? But I chose then to avoid it until I um, got closer to the end. Well, what I thought was the end of my career, I guess. Uh, sometimes you feel like you gave up too soon, and other times you don't know. I mean, Brian Harris yeah. debuted at 30 for Australia, where yeah. I started to pull the pin on playing for Australia at 30 because I thought I was done. But um, the opportunity to come up to go to Worcester, um, and it, uh, you know, it was a two-year deal and I sort of talked to Greg Chapel at the time and I said, look, what do you think? And he goes, well, it's up to you, mate, but uh, it'd be a great experience and, you know, really it's up to you, but, um, you know, I'll support you either way. And I thought, well, let's maybe have a go. Yep. And yep. Yeah. I mean, my, my dad, who passed away 20 years ago yeah. this year, he passed away the same year as Hooksy, um, 
he um he was from England and he came over in a boat when he was six. So I I really wanted to get over there because I was hoping that would lead to getting him over there and getting a chance to go back home for the first time ever. He'd never been back to England. Um, so that sort of inspired me a little bit too. And um, so I have got you know heritage there and. Um, yeah, just just the the difference was um, back then it was you are basically playing and not training. Um, you barely trained. You, yeah. you 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 were playing four or five days a week, and and I guess the, on the on the, the the negative and the positive was if you had a good game, you you didn't get long to celebrate it because you could be in two days' time you've already played another game and that's forgotten. But on the other side, if you had a bad day, you knew you can move on pretty quickly. So. Um, yeah, it was just a bit of a whirlwind over there. And again, very lucky to have played with some great players. Graham Hick being one of them. Who, yeah. Who, um, you know, utmost respect for. Um, and just, yeah, um, got presented my uh, cap on the oval and by um, Basil Dolivera. Um, famous name. And, yeah, um, famous name and um, English captain. And look, it just very lucky. Um to experience it, I'm so glad I got to because it is it is a great experience over there. You know, if you if you love your cricket, it's it's so different to Australia, but it's it's like you know the Aussies, the, the, the English that come out here in my cricket academy, um, they love the difference in Australian cricket and the different things that go on and um, yeah, you know, true. And, and just just like we probably feel the same way when you go over in England. It's you know, amazing experience playing at grounds like Lords and 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 uh, Headingley and all those sort of places. So, um, yeah, it, it was unfortunately cut short because my my father became ill at, at, during my second year. But um, I, I was lucky enough to get nearly two full years out of there before I before I had to retire. I have to ask uh, about the the obviously the conditions are completely different, but the balls um, being a bowling specialist. Um, what were some of the intricacies the intricacies with the different balls that are obviously used in England and obviously in Australia? Yeah, I mean, with the jig ball to the uh, to the cooker, so the, the cooker I know, like I could come in and, and, and swing it from ball one and um, and then, you know, sometimes, well, it depends how well the ball is looked after, but uh, a cooker will slowly stop swinging, um, and especially in the day back in the day on Adelaide Oval where we would then quickly try to get a go reverse because the way that the wicket broke up and how dry the wickets were there at Adelaide Oval that you could get it to go reverse. So that was sort of one of my specialties there. But um, in England, it's a bit different. It's sort of you get if you get the new ball in your hand, it sometimes doesn't swing until the lacquer comes off it and then it seems to swing the rest of the day. So it's a, it's a strange one because if you don't like swinging a cricket ball well, I feel you you would struggle because at any stage the ball's probably swinging um, in the conditions. I mean, no doubt there's obviously going to be some flat and dry pitches at different times where maybe the ball won't swing, but you can play in a game over in England where the ball swings the entire day. Um, so Does that make you just feel more in the game than, um, than say, the f- real flat times here at bowling, especially at Adelaide Oval? I, I reckon it does. I reckon it does, to be honest. And yeah. that's that you know it's it's a different and that's and that's why basically why you you, you question that we produced a lot more quick bowlers because you know in those circumstances the ball often got thrown to the big quick and said right try to get a breakthrough here and you'd run in and try to either put someone on the back shoe or, or and you know or try to hit them on the foot but um over there um 
you know, they produce a lot more of the, well, people say the word dibbly dobbler. I think yeah, that's hard. exactly but, what um, I was thinking of, though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if I'd call it dibbly dobbler. I think that's been asked. These guys are still yeah. might bowl 130s, but they just run in, you know, they're not express pace, so they run in and bowl swing. And, um, and with the ball swinging a lot more, well, you know, you're in the game still. So, so it's a good challenge. It's, it's just amazing how many people have had success here in Australia but struggled there, yet over there there's people that have been really successful and they struggle here. And um, it, it's such a good thing to do as a young cricketer to try and get over to England and or for an English guy to get to Australia because, you know, just to get used to the different conditions, pitches, balls you use, I think it's, you know, only going to help you as a cricketer. So yeah, it a is. Bit, a bit of frustrations of South Australia and that Chad yeah. Sayers never went on a tour in terms for Australia. Um, it's amazing how things come a little bit full circle. I'm not sure whether you did it, but I definitely did it when playing a bit of street cricket or backyard cricket where you'd wrap half the ball with electrical tape and it'd just oh, swing yeah, a mile. So yeah. it's just funny how things go full circle there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we all did it. Um, yeah, and I just heard you say Chad's name before. I mean, yeah, Chad yeah. would have just dominated playing yeah. county cricket. I'm surprised he didn't yeah. try finish a, a season or two over in county cricket. Yeah, I think it was before. quite complicated by then because he didn't have the Australian bit. He, he, there was a reason that he played for – I do remember Chad telling me, and I don't can't remember now the exact reasoning, that it was quite difficult. It wasn't mm. an easy one for him just to be a player. So because he'd played for – anyway, on that – where do you see South Australian cricket now? How has your thoughts on the two division bit, how it's going, and what can be improved? Yeah, and what what's yeah. the movements well, for? What's your thoughts, Ags? I'll only I'll only ever say what I've been saying to people, yes. uh, and you know, to be honest, I I I don't not everyone's going to agree, but I I still think there's too many teams. Yeah, um, yeah. I've never for thirty odd years I've been saying I just don't like the uneven numbers, I still think 12 teams make sense. Yeah. Um, like, well, look, you could get it down to 10, but let's at least try to get it to 12. Before yeah. we start jumping to 10 and 8 and all those sort of things, at least get it to 12 and you can actually run a proper program and you can have a sliding draw. You don't have to have two divisions, but like AFL football, you can have a sliding draw. So your top two teams are going to play each other twice in the year and your bottom two teams are going to play each other twice in the year and, you know, it filters out like it does in AFL football. To me, that would be the best draw. Yeah, um, I'm I'm still that way as well. Like, yeah, I just don't quite like. I, I can't say, and it doesn't affect me at West Torrens. I don't have any under nineteen players in in the under nineteens this year, but I know I I'd feel if I had one or two missing each game because they're playing in the nineteen. So I just think you learn. You know, as watch, I've watched Bailey Capel from a 16-year-old win premierships up to now he's, what, 22 or 3. Mate, Bailey's, you can't tell me that he wouldn't have been better off being down the other end of Kelvin Smith and Daniel Drew and, 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 and Trent Kelly even um, to and Andrew Hazlitt um, than he would have been, you know, in an under-19 team where they're all young, they're getting flogged each week and... Well, let's let's use our yeah. Let's use young Matchett out of that. That he plays in Kensington's Premiership side last year. They lose um, Ross uh, and Brown retires and all that. So it would have been a logical progression. He would have gone up the batting order this year, but he ends up now having a captain the under nineteen side, and also Pete. The other bit about the under nineteen side. They've st- because of the the age, they've still got the bowling restrictions. So the, there was one game where 
someone had three or four for 10, and he had to come off because he'd bowled his overs. Yep. Yep. So, again, it's not only that, captaining, it's actually a harder game to captain than a normal game. So yeah. I think oh. they've just thrown him in the deep end, and I'm not, I don't think, I think Halfpenny, young Halfpenny from Tetri Gully might be the only one who's progressed a fraction, and even that's debatable. Yeah, uh, exactly right. And the other thing we've got to take into account from, and you know, this is from a personal side of things, is you, you now look at coaches like Peter Mogledon and I, who's been a mentor, and I think he's a fantastic coach. Sturt went down last year. He's retired from, well, I mean, he still works for me at the Lemony Kennedy, but he moved on as coach yep. Sturt. Yep. Now, you're in a situation at the moment where it's still very open. Glenelg are probably the only safe team. I think at this stage. Yeah, but, yeah, um, that's fair. Yep. But there's a few teams in trouble, and um, one of them being Kenzie's, uh, yeah. one of them being my team. Uh, now, asking Russell and I to continue on coaching next year if we end up in Division Two, I'd, I'd, right now, very hard to say whether I would. Yeah, uh, and I do think too. I I don't think it's encouraging positive cricket. Where at the moment, everyone's really – they're sort of protecting and don't want to lose. Well, that's helping our chances. We want to get Kenzie to go down. I just – yeah, I understand where it's coming from. And like uni a couple of weeks ago, I was actually at that game, uni and Kenzie. I'm thinking, uni, for goodness sakes, declare your best chance to win this game. You should be bowling by now. But they were still batting because they didn't want to take the risk. And yes, I don't think that's helping helping – Overall, whatsoever. No. Well, another thing I'd love to see him do is, I've been saying this for a few years, if if a team wants to bat on into the next day and use up past their allotted overs, well, then they forfeit the right to get five points. So, Yeah, we, I wouldn't mind we, that. We had that. We had that the week before. Like, our last two games have been draws now. We yeah. unfortunately had East, East Orange nine down, um, and they held on for a draw. The week before against Port Adelaide with the rain and stuff, Port Adelaide batted 85 overs and gave us 50 to try and get what they got. Yeah. And it was never never happening. And um, I just feel like that should then you give up the right to, to get the five points for the draw. And I think that would help that problem. Well, um, you wouldn't have batted on on Saturday with that. Yeah, and I understand no, why you did. No, but you exactly would have right. debated on Saturday. Do I want to – geez, I'm doing the right thing as coach. Let Kelvin get his 200. So it's only going to be one ball. But the situation at the end, you're going now at the moment. Yeah, you're going, geez, I wonder if I, I wonder if we lost that five points by not declaring. So, yeah. And, yeah. and mate, no one was more angry than Kelvin. He, yeah, he I can imagine happy. that. Yeah, he was happy to declare. And yeah. um, he ended up, he's now the only the second bloke in West Orange's history to make two doubles. And now he joins Paul Nodes. And, yeah. You know, we we couldn't ask the club to declare, but that says a lot about him too and where the club's at that he, you know, was willing to do that. And um you you would have thought there was a one in a million chance it would come down to nine down like that. But yeah. uh, unfortunately it happened. So yeah. yeah, frustrating. But other influences like Jamie Siddons as in you know, he was known as the boss and just go through yeah. some other influences through your career quickly, Hags. Yeah, so well Jamie, yeah. I just oh Funny enough, and he laughs about it, but I, I was scared of Jamie from day one. I was just, you know, he was he's 10 years older than me and uh, coming in out of high school and having him there. And I just didn't 
for me, it was all about impressing him. He started second slip, and I knew pretty quickly by his reaction whether I was bowling well or not. And, um, you know, I used to get excited if I saw him rock up to a grey game and I knew he was in the crowd and probably bowl five, 10Ks quicker. So um, it was great to have him. Um, Darren Lehman, again, a completely different sort of captain, a bit more... Um, a bit more relaxed. A bit more relaxed and fun. Um but also, you just, you know, he wanted to win too and knew yeah. how to play hard. Yeah. And uh, um, uh, I, I think Buff is obviously stuck in a batsman's body who wished he could bowl fast because I know he enjoyed telling me and I know he enjoyed telling us to try it, folks. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, lucky lucky to have, um, you know, played under those two guys. Um Greg Chappell, um, you know, as a coach, it was, uh, it was a great experience having, as again, you know, like Rod and Lily, who had been involved in before, um, having him around and his experience, wealth of knowledge. Um, my first coach, Bomber Hammond, um, was fantastic. I, he really, I, I think he got the best out of of our bowling group that year to win the Shield. Yeah, and, I agree and, with that. That's a good, good way and, of saying it. Yep. Yeah, George, you know, Shane George had his best year ever under... Hammond and he, he was fantastic. Um, you know, always grateful for for Bonner's help and um, what he's done for. D- Dizzy says the same about him. You know, we, we respect yep. him highly. Um, then I was very lucky too to have you know different people in your career that you know want to speak to you and give you advice. And um, one of them was Barry Richards. He uh, he once called me into his office and wanted to speak to me about my bowling. And um, you know that that's one thing you do really appreciate when you you know people make that effort to try, give you some advice and, and, and try to help you along the way. And uh, another one was my childhood hero too, um, and that was Dean Jones. Um, yep. You know, I I've, I actually um, uh, I spoke to him a few times about my bowling. He sat me down one day and gave me some advice. He, he thought I was trying to they, – they'd tried to change me into an on-the-spot swim bowler when he it said to me, I didn't like you when you were running and you bowling wheels at me. And, um, yeah. Um, and it's funny enough, I um, well not funny, I guess, but um, when he passed away, I, I remember crying. And um, my wife sort of said, "What's happened?" And I said, "Oh, someone just told me Dean Jones passed away." And it was really, it took me back to my childhood. And I, I, I searched out in my um, in my man cave uh, a video I'd made of the best of Dean Jones, and I looked at it, and the, it was dated only two years before I bowled my first ball with my Stuart. Yeah. So um, you know, I get what I, you mean there. I. I... I did a fair bit of coaching with Dino, and so I know exactly when, how the advice would have been given and all that. And he was a fascinating guy to talk cricket to. Oh, so. he was, yeah. He, he was before his time in many Yeah. Ways. We could imagine him playing. You know, a lot of people talk about who was unlucky not to be around in different eras because of 2020 and stuff. But, geez, imagine him playing 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Been exciting to watch. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, mate. We're going to get you out of here on this one like we do with most of our guests. We like to ask for the top two or three players that you played with and the top two or three hardest against? Okay. Top, top three with? Um, you probably can't go uh, past Darren Lehman. Um, yeah. And then you've got um, Jamie Siddons was just, you know, I, a lot of people say probably one of the unluckiest to, to not yeah. play. Yeah. Any higher. But I think also just as a leader and um, someone – able to get so many people to follow behind him and his fielding was at another class too. He was an amazing fielder. So um, he, he he would be up there and then pretty hard to go past my mate Dizzy because he, uh, 
you know, he was sort of under me and came in after I did, but he quickly jumped me and um, became a very, you know, a leader and a, and a good influence on me in my career, um, the way he went about things and his confidence and the way he talked about things. Um, so, you know, 250 test wickets is pretty amazing. 259, um, so yep. from where he come yep. from, yeah. Yeah, 259. So, um, yeah, that, that, that'd be the obvious three. Um, but, yeah, obviously with many great ones. But, um, again, um, I'll... I'd find it very hard to go against Dean Jones. Um, yeah. he, he did make 300 against us. In yeah, that's right, he did too, yeah. yeah. Um, Ricky Ponting, I for some reason kept playing Ricky Ponting early in my career. Um, we played Tassie two or three times very early and I've kept coming across um, uh, Ponting too. And, you know, he, he taught me pretty quickly, don't bowl short. Um, I knew, especially on Adelaide Oval, if you bowl short, you, it's going to end up in the stand. Um, and then... I'd, I'd go Alan Border from and I'm yeah I'm, I'm talking Australians here because I have of course I've played quite a few from uh, other countries but Alan Border for me I played him two or three times early in my career before he retired and no one I wanted to get out more than him just so I could say I got Alan Border out because he's obviously a legend and um and he just he just wouldn't give me an inch he just fought and fought and fought and he was so hard to get out um. Yeah, he's probably the biggest regret of not getting someone out was him. And then someone like Ben Billings had come on bowled part-time medium pace and bowled him twice in one shield game. That broke my heart. Um, yeah, but, ben, uh, had a, ben had a good re- – that was funny. Ben had a good record against AB, yeah. He bowled him three times, yeah. all chopped on. All chopped on outside off stump. <laughs> yeah. So uh, maybe I was bowling too quick at the time. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no. So, um, yeah, they, they, they'd be the uh, the, the, be- the best ones. Yeah. Um, um, you know, well, you've named South Australian royalty there, and you've also named some of Australian royalty as well. It doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, yeah, no, very lucky. Yeah, so you know, I, I sent, sent a message to to Buff Dizzy and uh, Bluey the other day, and you just you know, you sit down and realise I was very lucky. Um, you know, I sat next to Bluey for my ten years, and Buff, I think it was Bluey me. Jamie and Buff in a row on this on the on the old change rooms and you know two of those boys have been named as two of the greatest ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and and then you got a guy that I spent ninety nine percent of my time rooming with when he played for South Australia and and hanging out with because we were the two two young quicks and that uh, was Jason Gillespie and so I, I, I you know you look back and you go how lucky was I to be in an era where three of the eleven they named were played 10 years with them, so um, very, very fortunate. Greatly appreciated, Hags. Uh, look forward to catching up with you, I'm sure, in around the district traps over the next few weeks. Greatly appreciate your time. and uh, Good luck on Sunday. Yeah, just yeah, hold, hold on. Just hold on off air too, just for a sec, Hags. Just hold on. Thank uh, Mark Harrity there for his time. Obviously, we recorded that interview, Phil, with uh, Malcolm a couple of weeks ago. Just because of the length of the interviews that we do, we do split them up from time to time. And um, now we thank uh, Mark for his time and obviously wish him the, the best with obviously cricketing with what happens with their Premier League cricket, obviously, in the next couple of weeks coming up towards the end of the season. So good luck to him, good luck to his team, and, um, yeah, we'll see how that one all pans out. Yeah, great cricket, and it's good to see him still involved uh, heavily with cricket. And, um, yeah, good on him. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe.
Middays. All right, kicking off happy days today, mate. I had to change this because I knew you were coming in and I thought I'd better put a Port Adelaide person uh, in for happy birthday this week. We actually had Connor Rosie last week, so we've had a couple of Port players in a row. They obviously all having their birthdays in sort of late December, early January, mid-January. Um, but happy birthday to Jordan Sweet, 1998, obviously recruited to the Western Bulldogs initially as uh, pick number 23 in the 2018 rookie draft, but now being traded, obviously, to Port Adelaide. What do you think about that recruitment? Very happy. I was, um, as I said, I was in Lawn this week and I was talking to a Western Bulldogs guy and he said he can play. Um, I said, I'm very happy we've got him. Um, apparently can play tall forward as well. Yep. Um, but because uh, we've got Solo uh, as a Ruckman too. So, mm-hmm. uh, but it'd be very nice that height, they don't get any shorter, Pete. Absolutely. Uh, Sweet began his football career at the Ingle Farm Junior Football Club uh, in the inner suburbs of north, oh, sorry, north of Adelaide. Uh, obviously recruited, as we said, uh, by the Western Bulldogs. Made his debut, uh, senior debut in round five, 2021 against the Gold Coast and has played 11 games since. I'm a bit with you. I think that the versatility of him being able to play forward and also in the ruck, I think is going to hold uh, Port Adelaide in good stead. And she's... Dixon, Marshall, Radigalia. Sweet, Radigalia, and Finlayson up forward. Mate, yeah. you, you, I can't wipe the smile off your face. Um, that is an impressive and tall forward line. That is going to be hard to stop. Don't think we could have done any better, Pete. Um, obviously missed out on uh, rookie draft a little bit, um, you know, the young lads, but uh, we've got plenty of them, mm-hmm. um, Rosie, and they're still butters, they're yep. still young. Uh, we, needed a, we need a fix it. Yep. And uh, Radically was the, the the one we really need, yep. and a Ruckman, obviously, yep. and we got two of them. So, um, yeah, very happy. Mate, can't wipe the smile off your face. I think, as we said earlier, I think Port R in that window, and it'll be an interesting year. I mean, like most teams, looks good on paper. They get out there, they play really, really good, but then injuries are going to be the key, and that's pretty much with any team. So... We'll keep an eye on that and we'll keep an eye on Jordan Sweet. So happy birthday to him this week. We move on to cricket, um, 1932, just going back a, a little ways there, mate. But a name that's synonymous with Australian cricket in that uh, the cricketing master batsman, Dodd Bradman, scores 299 not out in a 10-wicket 10, 10 fourth test win against South Africa. He basically ran out of partners looking for his 300th. Oh, unbelievable. 300 runs. Unbelievable, isn't it? The mind boggles to get to that. You know what mental strength we talk talked about that today. Yeah. Uh, lucky enough to meet Don. Um, he was an old older mm-hmm. man already. Um, up in the Bross Valley when I was living up there. And yep. um, yeah, just a lovely guy, and was happy to have a chat. Yep. But uh, good on him. Yeah. Absolutely. But uh, fantastic. Two ninety nine. You're on. You're on your tenth wicket. You're looking for your three hundredth, and <laughs> yeah, it just runs out unfortunately. But. Uh, Nevertheless, he broke every record that you can think of uh, back, back in the yeah. day, that's for sure. All right, we move on to tennis. Uh, the Australian Men's Championship in 1925. I wasn't quite around. I don't think you were either. But uh, tennis, uh, Sydney's James Anderson of Australia wins his second straight Australasian crown, beating countryman Gerald Patterson, 11-9-2-6-6-2-6-3. There you go. Can't say I've heard of him, but... Um Eleven nine. I mean, that's pro- probably yeah. you know what a lot of people don't quite understand is that 
those sets were all open sets. Yeah. You had to win them exactly. by two games uh, until the tiebreaker was obviously introduced. Uh, huge first set, you'd be a bit annoyed cool. losing it, but pretty good comeback in the second set, winning at 6-2. So, um, Gerald Patterson, obviously, um, unfortunately, on the receiving end on that occasion, but well done to James Anderson. We move on. Super Bowl 1988, obviously, that's coming up and will be very topical over the next couple of weeks, but... Uh, Super Bowl 23 in San Diego, California. The Washington Redskins beat the Denver Broncos 42 to 10. That's yeah, a blowout. You don't want is. to see that, do you? No. Not a big fan of it, I must say, Pete. Okay. Um, is it because it's the, the show? Oh, just the padding and yep. um, we Amer- are gonna- Americans being Americans yep. at times. Um, yeah, I always look for the Aussie guys in there that are. Kickers or whatever, yeah. But, um, yeah, I did actually watch that last year's and, yeah, big blowout, wasn't it? It was. Yep. Uh, And to finish us off in basketball, mate, 1982, the 32nd NBA All-Star Game uh, was in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Uh, East beats West 122 to 118. And these um, All-Star Games are obviously a lot of fun, but, you know, you get some top, top players. And one man stood out amongst them all, and that was Larry Bird. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, they're still playing him? Yep. Still doing? Okay. There it's a go. free-for-all. Yep. You know, if there's no holds barred and the scores are just ridiculously high and guys are taking ridiculous shots from everywhere and making them. It just is. It's a, ta- it's a talent show, basically. Yep. Uh, I suppose injury is always a problem, isn't it? You get injured in life. And part of the reason why AFL doesn't yeah, have state of origin uh, anymore. Um, anyway, all right, we're going to take a very, very quick break. When we come back, the extra time big finish. Hi, I'm Mark Hardy, and you're listening to the game on podcast. Extra time big finish. All right, we'll whiz through these pretty quickly, mate. Thank you for your time today. We're scooting along and. Time is getting away from us very, very quickly. But uh, the basketball, I've been the Adelaide 36's biggest critic, I suppose, this season. But their actual record is 5-1 and one since the turn of the new year in 2024. So I have to eat a little bit of humble pie on that one. Uh, Got to be exactly the same as you, Pete. Um, you've written them off and, uh, you know, got rid of the coach and, mm-hmm. you know. What's going on. Yeah, what's Had- go- obviously club turmoil. Mm-hmm. But um, they've all bonded together and let's see out the year and see how we go. Certainly something to work on for next season. Yep. They are talking up that they still are a bit of a chance for finals, but look, when you start doing the maths, that's when you know you're in a bit of trouble when it comes to doing the maths. Um, but certainly this is a good stepping stone for them to try and build on for next year. But the club has announced that they won't be appointing a coach, obviously, anytime soon. I think they're going to do their due diligence as far as they're going to wait until the end of the season. I'm a big call for let's... Let's have a bit of a review and, and look at things from top to tail because, like Malcolm keeps saying, their crowds are amazing. Yep. They they seem to have the cattle on the park. They seem to be able to play very, very good at times, but then at other times they just go missing. Um, you know, is there something that does need to be changed? We talked about, obviously, the AFL teams, you know, having that sort of internal review or external review, depending on how they want to look at it. I'd be keen for that to happen because we want success. I mean... You know, they've moved to the entertainment centre. They're still selling out the joint. The only thing that can make that thing burst at the seams is success. Yep, winning. 
Exactly right. Winning helps. Absolutely. All right. Um, you did say you're not a fan of the NFL, but we've got to talk about it. Divisional champs were obviously decided, um, and now we have a week before the big dance. What are your thoughts on the week in between, the week break? Yeah, I It's mean, a PR thing. Yeah, it's got to be. It's a money-making yeah, PR thing. because what do you do that week? I mean, you know, you'd be... Oh, you'd be towy. Oh, you'd be you towy like? wanting to get on with it, wouldn't Mrs. you? Mrs. would be oh. copping a bit of flack, wouldn't she? You, you but, know. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's American. It's yeah. Obviously, we do it a little bit before the AFL finals with the one week off before the finals start, but then once the finals start, it's continuous yep. right through the grand final. I understand they probably want their best players playing in the showpiece game. <laughs> Uh, obviously, Kansas City defeating the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers defeating the Detroit Lions. It's going to head over to the biggest show on earth, which is Las Vegas. It's going to be huge. Don't they? I mean, they have the best artists mm-hmm. singing and what's an advert worth? Some, it's ridiculous, you know. Two or three million for a 30-second spot yeah. or a 15-second spot. Um, you couldn't get any bigger. Biggest game in in. Super Bowl, you couldn't get any bigger game for the year. It's become a global thing now, and they're going to one of the most recognised places in America, and that's Las Vegas, and they know how to throw a party. <laughs> it should be party time there, won't it? going to be unbelievable. Yeah. Obviously, Kansas, Kansas City are obviously looking to defend their title, and that yep. is a very, very hard thing to do in Super Bowls, Yep, just with the way that seasons are structured up as well. A uh, big one that came across the desk today was Formula One. Lewis Hamilton has announced that he's going to be driving for Ferrari in 2025. That is huge news. Yeah. Again, um, I must admit, not a big fan nope. of Formula Ones, but uh, went and watched them here when they came over to Adelaide mm-hmm. years and years ago. But, um, well, there you go. F- Ferrari, eh? be nice, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Uh, just reading between the lines, and obviously this is only just become breaking news, but obviously he's a massive fan of Michael Schumacher. He wants to sort of follow in his footsteps, which is fair enough. And obviously uh, struggling a little bit where he is at the moment. Change of scenery can be very, very good um, for any sport, really. Absolutely. So we wish him the best with Ferrari in 2025. A couple of questions just to finish us off. The Australian Australian Diamonds uh, take it to another level against another title, I should say, against a very, very... Determine England in a, in another tight contest. Now, the reason I put this on the run sheet is that the Diamonds obviously had their pay disputes, yet they're still going out there and winning titles. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, had a big chance, didn't they? Um, what's her name? Uh, Gino Reinhardt was yep. going to throw some money their, their way, and uh, they went against that. And uh, now they just got a battle. But, oh, they're unbelievable to watch. I have watched some of that. and It's, it's quick it's sticks. It's not, not, not light. And there's Physical. some hip and shoulders and elbows, and uh, it's really good to watch. Absolutely. It is. All right, and to finish this off, um, Barty, Ash Barty makes a return, but to golf. Yeah. She's going to be playing off a four handicap. Uh, I think it's a tournament in New Zealand. Very handy player at whatever sport she plays, so... Jeez, I'd love a four handicap. Oh, I'd love you to be able to hit the ball straight. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, good honour. You know, I thought it might have been tennis. I might, might have came back. But yep. um, it's golf it is. I saw her swinging. And, uh, yeah, it looks like she's very, very handy. <laughs> I, th- oh. I just love her personality. Oh, I think absolutely. she's going to be great for golf. And if she's the poster child for women's golf, uh, like she was the poster co- child for for cricket and yep. for tennis um golf has got themselves an absolute beauty 
All right, quickly, mate. The good, the bad, the ugly this week. A couple of good ones. Good. Who's good this week, Pete? Well, I'm going to go Sinner. I think Sinner oh, winning, yeah, his, would have to. winning his have to. winning his first Grand Slam and brought that up. Da- Darren yeah. Darren Cale being uh, in the box. Yep. for me. No, happy with that. What about your bad mate? Bad this week, Pete. Who are we going to go for? Uh, I'm going to go a little bit with you on the NFL. In that the week between the Super Bowl is it just seems like it's a massive PR. But again, it is an American thing. So for me, I, I want to get the game going. Let's let's oh, look. Let's I go. agree. I mean, but I guess they're playing adverts and you know all of that during the week, and uh, that's costing them. And it's more, it's a big money thing, isn't it? Look, we do money. a bit of sports commentary. It gives us something to talk about, so <laughs> it's not a bad thing, I suppose. Exactly. Uh, and probably my ugly for the week, or your ugly for the week. You caught me again, mate. I'm going to go first on this one. It's me. I'm you. the ugly for the week on the fact that I'd been given the 36ers quite a bit of uh, stick. <laughs> And they've turned around with a five-win record since 2024. So that's my ugly for the week. Me being so critical. Yeah. Um, well, I think we're all in the same boat, though, yeah. Pete. So, um, you know, I might have to follow suit again. I mean, there you go. And, and my other ugly is probably Rory Sloan. In the, yeah. Could be is something it, that, that... Is it the end? Is it, is is it, it going to hamper him getting back? So, yep. um, yeah, wish him the best of luck there. And um, And I know that, obviously, he... We'll make every effort to return, and I think he'll excite Crows fans maybe for one last time, which should be fantastic. Yep. All right, mate, this has been a massive episode. Thank you once again for filling in for uh, Malcolm on that one there. He hopefully is on the recovery uh, from COVID, but um, as per usual, we like to say at the end of the episode, we promise to do better next week because (laughs) it can only go up from here. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, Pete. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, mate. Cheers, mate. In this crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at SportsCast SA. We'll see you next time on Game On.